What was dismissed as crazy conspiracy theory just over a decade ago has become, in this post-9-11 era, the all-too-familiar stuff of newspaper headlines and talking head reportage. What if this data, our emails, our phone calls, our credit card transactions, our social media posts, our cell phone GPS logs, and all of the hundreds of other pieces of data that are admittedly being collected on us each and every day, were being fed into a database so gargantuan it contains a digital version of every single person on the planet? And what if that database were being used by the Department of Defense to war game various scenarios, from public reactions to natural disasters, to the likelihood of civil unrest in the wake of a declaration of martial law? Remarkably, this is precisely what is happening. You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Now here are your hosts, Basil and Gons. Hey everyone, welcome again to Canary Cry Radio. Thanks for tuning in this week. My name is Basil. And I'm Gons, and we're going to talk about the Sentient World Simulation. And wow. uh, we just uh, actually heard about this from Tim Kilkenny, the co-host of Revelations Radio News. But essentially, what it is, is, um, and this is their definition of the Sentient World Simulation, It's a continuously running, continually updated mirror model of the real world that can be used to predict and evaluate future events and courses of action. Sentient World Simulation reacts to actual events that occur anywhere in the world and incorporates newly sensed data from the the real world. So essentially what's happening is everything that you do, phone calls, emails, GPS, social media, everything going to an ATM using a card is um, very similar to what we talked about a long time ago with the Utah data center, where it's all being stored um, in just unimaginable uh, large servers um, holding all this data. Well, what's happening now is all of this is going into a simulation. Now, stay with me and try to picture this. Everything you do is going into a computer, which is then creating a simulation, adding what everybody else is doing around you and in the country and essentially in the world, and it's creating a program, basically a mirror image of the planet with every single piece of data on a live action scale um, tracking everybody. I mean, it's basically looking into a crystal ball and being able to look at anywhere on earth and just see exactly what's happening down to where you are walking, like physically where I am walking with my cell phone. Yeah. And this whole thing brings everything back to this concept of a panopticon. And we've talked about this and um, the Collins brothers in their book, they talk about it uh, in a book called um, the scientific dictatorship. But basically, a physical panopticon is its sort of an institutional building uh, that was... Actually, this guy named Jeremy Bentham came up with the idea. And basically, I'm just going to read this Wikipedia description of it. It's um, the concept of the design is to allow a watchman to observe the opticon, all pan, uh, inmates of an institution without their being able to tell whether or not they're being watched. So it's kind of um, the effects of that are basically that the people or prisoners or whoever uh, is in the system become self-policed. They be- they begin to 
change their behavior in a way that is socially acceptable or what is being promoted as socially acceptable. And, um, that just sounds like the mark of the beast all over the place. So that's, you know, that's kind of the point of this whole thing, but right. Well, I mean, we've talked about this stuff before. This is nothing. I mean, this particular, um, device is new to me. I mean, in a real world setting, uh, we, we've seen this sort of stuff in, um, you know, all sorts of movies. I mean, even uh, The Dark Knight had his little sonar thing that could see where everybody was at all times. But I mean, this is actually a thing that is now uh, in use for, and I like this, they call it stakeholders. Yeah. They don't say, well, it's the government, they are doing this. Or they don't say, oh, this specific organization is using this to track everybody. Uh, They call them stakeholders. So whoever is holding stake at (laughs) the time. But so, I mean, what they're saying about this thing is that they're using it to study and simulate how a public reaction or a mass reaction to a disaster or to anything would really go down. And that's, that's the part where they try to make it seem um, acceptable or like benign. But at the same time, it's like the most sinister thing I can think of. Right. And the document that we're looking at is, um, it's called the Sentient World Simulation, but it's written, it's a white paper written by the Sentient World Simulation Advisory Committee. So this is like pretty much, and I think this document's from 2005, um, and we'll link to it obviously, but uh, it's, the concepts are all there. And if you read on some of the things that um, they plan to do um, is there's, I mean, they list a bunch of stuff, and it gets really detailed. It so, gives it incredible detail on yes. how the whole thing works, and so you can take the time and read that. It, it gets a, a little confusing, especially a lot of the um, programs that they start mentioning if you're not familiar with them. But yeah, the, the whole idea around it is um, they can build this sort of digital copy of the world as it's happening in real time, and then present that digital world with a disaster and simulate uh, or predict how a reaction would be either um, regionally or or you know nationally for instance sitting here right now what I'm doing I have my cell phone here on my computer I'm totally on the grid now somewhere in some building there's a little digital version of me sitting with my computer and my cell phone Now, what they could do at any moment is introduce a disaster um, to that little digital version of me, poor guy, and see and try to predict what I would do. And what they do essentially with all this is take all sorts of information, uh, you know, my Facebook uh, likes and everything, you know, everything that's being collected about me, all the websites I visit. I mean, it's, there's quite the dossier of, um, information that they have on everybody. Now what they do is they use that, analyze it and, um, have your little, your little mini me, uh, react to some sort of disaster. So, I mean, if you think about it, some extension of my sort of, uh, being that they have put together could be reacting to some, you know, crazy disaster or government lockdown. And who knows what that little guy's doing that could be giving away what I might actually do in real life. That's the scary part. It's yeah. almost like it's almost like 
I'm betraying myself right now <laughs> by, <laughs> by, by just the information I have that they're watching a little representation of me, um, you know, go commando. Well, I'm, on, uh, I'm wondering if, situation. I wonder if like to try to implement this sort of system, they would tell us, for example, I mean, I'm just totally being speculative here, but what if they tell us like, yeah, you know, there are a group of elite people, they have a lot of power, but they'd rather do a digital uh, simulation of a disaster rather than pull off like a, an earthquake, a tsunami, or, you know, some kind of hurricane or something like that, that, which presumably they can do to some extent. It would be interesting if that's what happened, you know. If if they disclosed, yeah, they disclosed it and said, "Yeah, okay, and we're like, evil." Hey, by the way, <laughs> we did this simulation, and you guys are totally screwed. So, is that what you're talking about? Where they can sort of reveal what they're not. Not even that. No, no, I'm saying in the past they have done that. They would somehow like play the game of like, oh, we caught the bad guys. Like they would use are, are this power to. Are you talking in real life or in the simulation? No, 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 like in real life to try to implement this onto everybody. Implement what onto everybody? The whole simulation. So you mean, yeah, they run a simulation and then do it in real life. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, essentially, and I don't know exactly what's going on with this thing. Um, but I mean, yeah, for instance, they could, uh, run some sort of nuclear disaster, um, simulation, and then they could look at, you know, on all sorts of scales, all the way down from the individual, all the way up to, you know, a massive scale of individuals and, and, and simulate how they would react to it. So, I mean, right now they could be running a simulation of, you know, a nuclear disaster in Southern California. And they would be watching my little guy and Gonza's little guy run around with, you know, like chickens with their head cuts off. Yeah, and they actually, according to them, uh, they tried to answer why we have to have this. And they basically said that, um, I'm just going to quote them here, we have kinetic war game simulations that accurately predict the outcome of battles, but we do not have tools that accurately predict the outcome of peace or natural events which often are um, proving to be more expensive in terms of lives and dollars than the war. So right. they're kind of trying to justify it. Like, look, we have these things for our battles in war to try to get an upper hand, uh, but right. we don't have one for natural disasters or... Well, um, I mean, if you think about it, I've been listening to a lot of stuff about uh, Hurricane Katrina lately because of Hurricane Isaac that's sort of hanging around. Um, but... They were talking about how you know Katrina caused fourteen billion dollars in um, damages, not to mention all the losses of the economy in the area and things like that. And so, yeah, I mean, natural disasters are obviously very costly um, in lives and in uh, in dollars. But um, so now they're using this to try to sort of simulate and. Uh, I mean that's that's great I guess. Um I think they could bring me in and ask me to simulate how, you know, people would react to a natural disaster. Uh normally it's running away from it. Um so I mean I think that's the easy part. The the hard part or the more 
complex part, I would say, would be, um, you know, the, the types of things where they're, maybe they're running a simulation that has to do with alien disclosures or something like that. Yeah, totally. That, I, I think that's definitely some possible scenarios there. But um, if I mean, we- it's great. They have like a crystal ball. You know, a crystal ball to it's it's almost is a crystal ball to just predict the future based on choices that they make to, you know, disclose things or or cause disasters or you know I I just read about you know like the twenty thousand commandos uh, that are uh, Russian commandos that are loose in America and you know they can simulate what people would do in the case that these Russian commandos. Well, I wonder, that's the thing I was trying to activate it or whatever. Well, that's the thing I was trying to allude to earlier was that how have they been using real life events to, I guess not read the information, but okay. For the simulation to work, it would have to know something about reality, right? Right, To start putting together some sort of reactive data. Right. Exactly. So, so like how much of it is being controlled now already, you right. know, for example, like I said, with the, the earthquakes, tsunamis, stuff like that, or, you know, other things that are natural, quote unquote, natural Got disasters. It. Got it. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and one thing that comes to mind is the, all the little diseases that keep breaking up, I call them little diseases, but they're so, they're so centralized that I could see how that would be a little information gathering project like yeah. hanta virus just broke out in like yosemite and so you know that's a little hanta uh, virus is really gnarly and there's been some people who have already died from it and so you know there's that and then swine flu just like re like re showed itself in somewhere i almost feel like those kinds of uh stories and the little scares of the media there those right. types of things are actually meant more for a distraction for the alternative media. I, I you know, we had this yeah, conversation sort of with, uh, with uh, Tim uh, Kilkenny that you guys will hear in a few weeks. But uh, well, right. Well, you think about even the really weird anomalies. I mean, what what was it? There was one anomaly where this sludge started falling from the sky. I think yes, it was I remember West. that. Right, and this this sludge started falling from the sky, and. You know, is obviously really bizarre, and they came up with all sorts of um, explanations from you know waste from airplanes to you know whatever. Um, but there's like human DNA within the sludge, which is totally bizarre happening. Yeah, it's um, not cool. <laughs> well, and I mean, who knows what it is? But at the same time, we could speculate what that is or we could say like it's aliens or we could do all this stuff when in reality it's very possible that it was just a little data gathering experiment exactly yeah that's to be to be fed into the system yeah because yeah the the algorithms would have to reflect reality and they know that and you know this this gets really close to the sort of conversation of artificial intelligence too because essentially this system, this sentient world simulation machine is effectively going to, well, on obvious levels, it's like the all seeing eye, you know, it's like big brother, the, everybody's, you know, locked in, but to be able to make moral decisions about people's actions, that's where it's really dangerous. 
you know, because somebody that's in control of this thing and really has just something sinister or some grudge against people or something, and they had access to this information over this database, how easy would it be to find them, to, you know, track them, stalk them uh, digitally? Well, and, and predict what they're going to do, uh, given any sort of circumstances. Right, looking at the patterns of their behavior and somehow affecting it to... Uh, it's kind of like Groundhog Day, the movie, you know, where you... <laughs> right, and they get to replay it over and over until yeah. they, they finally find a simulation that comes out in their favor. Right, and I mean, think about the kind of real-life problems that would cause, though, because, okay, this person probably, you know, let's say this person's trying to create a situation to carry out a plan, and that plan doesn't really carry out in reality as the simulation told them. And so what happens then, you know? These people are going to lose their minds. Right. Well, I mean, you could you could put that on any sort of scale. I mean, it's it's almost it's a tool where whoever's using it will just call them the powers that be using this tool. Now they have a goal, and they have an idea of what they want to do to get this goal. Well, now in the olden days of uh, you know uh, manipulating the masses and uh, causing. Uh, mass mind control, and you know, you know the the olden days where they would just have to try to do something sinister. You know, the in the days of two thousand one, when they could just well, let's do nine eleven and hope something happens. Well, now they can simulate thousands of new um, disasters and and work with them and change them and tweak them and find the one that gets the exact reaction that they want it's just a whole new tool for um you know manipulation and and uh, basically mind control or 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 yeah it's it's social control it's yeah. it's starting with the individual mind but uh, that's you know it's interesting because it's this is really the even though it is a virtual system it's sort of the culmination of you know, all the stuff that we've heard about with internet tracking. And um, it, it seems like something that has sort of um, its tentacles in the idea of a singularity. It also brings in a an aspect of the whole pre-cog, pre-policing. Pre-crime. Pre-crime, uh, yeah. Crime prevention. All that stuff. I mean, it's it's all sort of part of the same thing. And now, you know, I doubt that hokey-pokey police departments are having... Um, access to this sort of thing, but you know, who knows? At some time, they they might well, be able to do something like that. Well, I think at some level, they're going to be able to have, you know, local or regional sort of data access or something. You know. Oh, someday I'm and, sure. If not right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I mean, it's easy to. The, the thing is, if they want to find you today, if you have a cell phone, they can find you. You know, like if you disappear or something, but you keep your cell phone with you, they're going to find you, you know? Uh, and and uh, the other tie-in with like transhumanism is the potential of this simulation world becoming more integrated with reality, you know, with our virtual experiences, right? Of, you know, literally going into it and experiencing what it would be like to die or something, you know, like all sorts of craziness when we bring it back to the, some of the things we've talked about in the past with, brain interfacing and right. all that stuff. It's sort of right. like the culmination point of all of it. Well, and just to, to sort of build on top of some sort of speculation, we a long time ago we talked about, you know, the capturing of your brain waves into, you know, um, 
your brain patterns into an electronic device. And, you know, theoretically, that could be called capturing you because, I mean, we are, you know, if we, we separate some sort of um, separate spirit, you know, the brain waves are what make your personality and brain patterns and things like that that make you you. Well, if at one point they're able to just collect those willy-nilly, um, then they could even feed those into the simulation. And then not only do they just have this thing where they sort of just build you from the websites that you visit and where you go with your cell phone and things like that, well, now then they have the actual brain patterns you know, that they've scanned from you or done something or other. And now they literally have a little digital copy of you, you know, with your personality and everything that could, um, you know, be used to do all sorts of other stuff. But I think the big um, realization with this project is that the digital world is becoming less and less separated from the physical world. Yeah, we see that. Yeah, we, we happen to have that sort of culture already brewing. You know, social media right now is is a really big thing. And obviously, you know, a lot of people are on it. People, the typical stories, you know, the examples you hear about people trying to get a job and then their bosses look at their Facebook page and they see him with a red cup and, a, you know, doing a keg stand or whatever. And they have to, you know, they don't get the job, that sort of or they get a huge high five, right. depending on depending <laughs> on where they're working, I guess. But yeah, that whole concept of like, oh, okay, let's see who you really are by looking at the internet, uh, looking at what you've done with the internet. You know, right. it, it's 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 not reality, but it's painting it as reality, and that's the thing that's really sort of scary because we're losing who we are in exchange for this virtual me. You know, it's well, just sort even- of. Even aside from that, I'm seeing less and less of a disconnection. I'm seeing even more of a correlation between um, a digital self and a physical self. Maybe not on the level of Facebook, because, you know, I I think Facebook is a good um, example of what we would call a traditional uh, worldview of, you know, separation between digital self and physical self right you know because you're talking about there's you and then there's your facebook you which is way cooler and loves kayaking and mountain bike <laughs> you know even though you're just kind of sit in your garage and do podcasts all day. <laughs> uh, but you, you know so there's that that's sort of the traditional you know like early millennial version of a digital self now what i'm kind of seeing coming into fruition here is a just the the distance between reality of your digital self and physical self to some people to the people who have pro- who are in charge you know the physical self is lining up better with the dig- digital self now the digital self is not necessarily an extension of your you know ego um where you get to sort of put what you want out there and show people on your MySpace and your Facebook but now it is they're gathering information of your digital you know personality without you knowing it yeah and so because you don't know what's happening it's more honest yeah and also it's i think it's also the fact that now that that channel has been opened up in the last you know 20 years the internet has become sort of ingrained into humanity's conscious being or whatever you want to call it you know it's it's part of everyday life for for 
I mean, a lot of oh, people, yeah, not, yeah. not everybody I mean, in the nobody, world, obviously, but you can't imagine life without internet. Right. Right. You know, so, so, America, you know, at least at the beginning it was sort of like, uh, you know, just again, like you said, like an extension of you, like, Oh, this is sort of, you know, the part of me that's not really me, but you know, this is the image. And, and that was the beautiful I, thing about the internet. Right. Right. But I, th- like you said, the, you know, it's so, it's almost like now the, the tides have turned in a way. And now the peop the other side, the, the virtual side and those who have control of it are saying, look, we can actually shape who you are now. You know, we are the dictators of, of your culture, of your, um, what you value as a society and things like that. And, through advertising, through media, through all sorts of uh, means, they, I think they've been able to achieve that. And that's why that disconnect is not there anymore. You know, it's almost like if you trust somebody to, you know, take a hundred thousand dollars and, you know, they come back with it and it's more next time you give him, you know, a million dollars, let's say, I'm just using it as an example. And then they come back and they make it $2 million and you're like, man, this is awesome. So you give him 10 million bucks to like, you know, double it. Cause he's done it every time. And then he runs away with the money, you know, it's sort of like that. That's a really bad analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I, fo- I follow the analogy. What are we talking about again? <laughs> you mean, I mean, we're, we've just been trusting them with so much of our yeah, information. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying the, the way we have opened ourselves up to the internet, right. like we right. didn't really, t- we, we, we weren't really careful with it. It was just more like, oh yeah, yeah, let's just do it. And yeah, right. you know, everyone's going to do it. And oh, everyone has the Facebook now and now right. it's. Yeah, and then it's opened us up to their uh, ability to like feed into what we ought to be or ought to think. And well, I think Facebook is just Facebook in itself, and the evolution of Facebook. Now, I know Facebook is kind of new to you, Gons, but I mean, for those of us who had Facebook back in two thousand seven, I actually, I actually had. A fa- I mean, I still do. That's deactivated right now. I had a Facebook account from like very, very early when it first came out. Okay. So you, so you know, then when it first came out, it was a completely different monster than it is it was, today. It was just for college and yeah. Well, well, not even that. I mean, yeah, it was just, there was no, there were no likes. There were no, yeah, yeah. like all this stuff. They didn't track everything you did. They didn't advertise to you depending on, you know, uh, what words you used in posts and, and things like that. You know, it was a lot less intense and so people weren't so wary of putting information on there i mean granted this is still 2007 but i mean it doesn't seem that long ago but it, the difference between 2007 and the and the internet practices of 2012 are humongous yeah the cultural gap between what what's going on and what's happening right. yeah it's, I it's mean, very big by the time human beings had their first 12 second flight with the Wright brothers until we were on the moon was about 60 years. Yeah. Now we go, you know, 2007, we have, uh, you know, we're putting personal information in the form of um, uh, social media, but now five years later, it's completely um, changed. The game has changed. And so people are actually legitimately weary people who are so fine putting you know i like books well now that i like books is on facebook they will gather so much i mean they take i like books and then they connect that with all these websites that you're going to and oh he looks all at the conspiracies. books bought, yeah well yeah and, and and oh look at his amazon stuff and oh now we have all this information well let's see 
knowing that he's read this book, so we can all feed that into his little mini-me, and, you know, that'll just be an aspect of data that tells us what happens when the Russians take over, or but, something like yeah, that. Yeah, and also, just, you know, when you were saying all that stuff, it made me think about the mindset of of these people that are really trying to create this. And obviously the spirit behind it is, as we all know, is one that is um, evil and is iniquity. But if I'm just trying to picture like me sitting there in this information or this sort of uh, data, (laughs) this massive ability to navigate through this thick, you know, ball of data of everything that you'd ever want to know about anybody. First off is sort of creepy to me because that's a lot of power for one, but number two, it's completely changing the human being into a number. I mean, we already know that, you know, the social security and all this stuff that has already sort of started, but this is like the next phase. It seems like, you know, it may not be the ultimate outcome, but it's sort of like the step of like, okay, now we went through that phase of, you know, everyone getting social security cards or now it's uh, iPhones or whatever it is. And now this next Next thing is like this digital print of yourself. Right, exactly. Well, now I'm not just a social security number. Now I'm an actual little, you know, little section of a a million lines of code inside of this simulation. And that's, you know, everything that is me. Um, And uh, it actually brings something up. You mentioned, um, you know, about the actual people who are implementing this thing. And this is something that I kind of been wanting to talk about a little bit because, you know, I'll talk to people about... um, you know, the, the one world government, new world order and all this stuff and how it's all big, you know, big plan. And the biggest thing is like, yeah, I know, I get that this is happening. I get that eugenics is happening. I get that, you know, this other terrible thing is happening, but I don't necessarily think that they're all planned by, you know, one guy or one, you know, table of old men. And, 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 I'm willing to let go of that, but I am going to say, and the the reason I bring this up is because, you know, um, whoever created this SWS, this simulated uh, sentient world simulation, may not be, may not, I think it's irrelevant, but may not be, you know, part of the Illuminati. No, 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 no. I don't think iPhones were created. No for the Illuminati to do something. So this is all stuff that's, once it exists, then it gets used by, you know, used and abused. Now, what I do believe is that even though it may not originate from, you know, a council of old men, I do, you know, ruling the world, I do believe that the spirit that eventually, you know, I believe it's all underneath the spirit, that a spiritual entity who has, the um, the order to bring stuff like this about so it can be used for yeah. ultimately the, the enemy's um, agenda. Well, it's very and, interesting you bring that up because uh, in, in the book that the guy who started Wired Magazine, the book he wrote that we've quoted before, um, he mentions how this there's a sort of natural thing that occurs with uh, with inventions or discoveries. And he lists a bunch of stuff where... Um, so major, you know, pretty major breakthroughs where people have, um, multiple people have discovered the same thing, but one gets the face, you know, one, one person becomes like sort of the champion of that discovery. And so his point was that inevitably, you know, we, we come to discover things and it's, it's more of a communal, communal 
thing than an individual thing of somebody, you know, sitting in their basement coming up with something, you know, because most inventions, if you think about it, are not, and this is even scientifically true, that it's not like you sit there and plan to build, you know, let's say a light bulb or something, you know, it's like you somehow they figured out the effects of, you know, certain things, and then the, they use the effect and implemented it into a usable thing, right? It's right. Not, First it's not comes the, the concept and then comes the invention. Right, right, right. But the concept can't arrive unless there is a, there's an effect that they see. Um, there's some sort of action there that is, that right, can be exactly. harnessed to yeah. use. Electricity you know? heats up filaments. Oh, let's make a filament inside of a bulb and make it a light bulb. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So yeah, that, that's kind of the, the idea here. And, and again, that, that reflects perfectly this idea of a spiritual sort of ramping up or a wave that's really starting to pick up. And ultimately I, I think that is the, the thing that's going to swallow everything in, you know? And right. And, and I mean, whoever sort of came up with the idea of creating a virtual world, that's a mirror image of the world um, happening around us in real time, you know, they may completely have come up with it with good intentions you know, maybe they really do just want to study how to better react when an earthquake hits so we can save the most lives. I mean, knowing what we know, we know it's not going to be used for that in the, in the long run. But at the same time, I could totally see the, um, it being inspired by, you know, a conniving um, you know, fallen angel or spirit or uh, agent of the enemy who, you know, in order to bring about the final plan, we need to have this mirror image of the world so well, yeah. it's used for evil. You know what I mean? And it's and just, you know, going back into some of the details, which to me just blows my mind sometimes is, where should I start with this? Have you heard of the Information Awareness Office, Basil? Oh, uh, No. You have not. Okay. Look it up. Look at the logo. Um, it was defunded by the Congress in 2003, uh, but the um, the office says that it continued to be funded and run under uh, various names afterwards. So post-2003, um, and, and you know, just for the audience here, the Information Awareness Office was this thing created by DARPA. In, in 2002, but their logo is... Holy it, crap. Yeah, well, Derek Gilbert has pointed this out in his talks, but literally it's it's the all-seeing eye on the pyramid, like, you know, glowing his radiance uh, upon the face of the earth. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty obvious thing. You know, I, there was a joke by some guy who said that, you know, the only problem with the Information Awareness Office is it was too honest. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. I mean, looking at this, it almost looks fake <laughs> like it almost looks like it's from a bad science fiction it's movie. like it's like the illuminati pr was like oh man i wish we could take that one back it was a little too far somebody who's definitely uh lost their job over that one <laughs> wow but, no we we should post that in the show notes yeah That's well hilarious. you know a lot of people know about that and and you know the ramifications of that that's kind of where it all started uh but Thinking about how this can really become even more scary as far as like the, your digital print, because my first thought was like, okay, well, they'll know where I've been. Yes, that's creepy, but they, you know, 
they know what sort of things I like or whatever, or what stuff I'm into by looking at the internet and my, you know, my trail of uh, the browser history or whatever. And, and they can kind of piece together things, but they can't really know what I'm thinking, you know? I know. And, yeah. and, and, and so there's a part of it there, but also there's this idea of biosurveillance and we've heard about some of the technologies coming out mm-hmm. that measure, you know, biological, uh, I don't know, movements of your body cells. And, I don't know. <laughs> Biological signatures. <laughs> signatures. <laughs> sort right. um, so once that stuff is in place, I mean, think about how much data, like literally it's going to be a mere copy of you, not just the actions that you do, but your, you know, your, your number of heartbeats in a lifetime, you know, being measured and all sorts of craziness, you know, that that's sort of the extreme, but I think that's where it's all headed. And that's where it kind of ties into Again, the concept of like uh, of transhumanism and this idea of merging with machine. Well, yeah, merge with the machine, but what is the machine that it's merging to? And it's possible that this sort of system, this sort of uh, virtual world or universe or whatever you want to call it, is sort of going to be this playground. Right. You know, one thing that I find fascinating is. I mean, we're, this is probably the last generation that will be able to put down their cell phone, walk away from the computer, and walk away and not be tracked, you know, where your physical body, you know, no matter what we have going on with the tracking of whatever, we have our physical body that can still disappear, to some extent, I mean, they can satellite well, track you, at, you know. No, no. Well, if if they're looking at you, I mean, if, yeah, they're, if they're looking for you, looking for you. But I mean, if I were to set everything down right now and just walk away, you know, with the exception of showing up on a few security cameras, I, I and my physical body can just leave. Yeah. Okay. And I believe that I'm probably the last generation to be in that sort of uh, reality. I mean, my kids, it, implants will probably be a normal thing. I mean, instead of vaccines, they will probably uh, be vaccination implants that slowly, you know, and, and they're t- there's all these detection nodes that you can put in your body now to detect diseases and yeah. all these things that they're talking about implementing, you know, within the next 10, 15 years. And, um, I mean, once those things are in your body, then you're trackable, you know, and, and Lord knows they're going to make you trackable. They're not going to put something in your body and not make you trackable. It's just how it is. You can't buy a, I don't know, you can hardly buy anything without it being trackable now. I mean, there's even RID chips inside things like boxes of cereal and stuff now because stores can track um, inventory easier than barcodes. You know what I mean? And so- but everything is becoming trackable and you know soon it's going to be our bodies and you know i'm kind of stoked that I, you know i slipped in before that became a reality um now who knows what's going to happen in the future and you know right so so i mean there's there's all that but i mean at least right now we have that yeah goes right back to all the stuff that we've talked about in the past with biblical prophecy with why this whole thing just makes a whole lot more sense if you understand some of the ramifications of Bible prophecy. And, you know, these aren't traditional views of prophecy that we're sort of coming up with. And I think 
it's not necessarily that we're right or they're wrong or it's, it's none of that because I think with each generation, there's going to be a deeper or different understanding of how prophecy might play out. You know, and prophecy is one of those topics that it's, it's pure speculation. You know, it's based on some, it's based on the text and we have a general idea of what's going to happen, but we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. So, um, it, but it is important to, to understand that our, our future is going to become, again, very strange. It's going to be a very different place. And just a year from now, I think we're going to be in a completely different place where, you know, something else is sort of the, the way to do things. And culturally, it's just going to keep changing. And that's the thing that's really strange is we've heard so much about like, you know, America's a melting pot of cultures and stuff like that. Well, it's sort of destroyed. It's, there is no culture inherent, you know? And so I think that's, that's also been shaped by the internet and the control of media and all that stuff put together. But one thing I liked when you, what you're saying was the prophecy thing. And especially with what we're talking about now and in the past prophecy can, you know, is sort of like, well, it is written. And so it shall be like, you know, the, the, the beast shall blah, blah, blah. And you will see, you're not going to be able to buy or sell if you have, if you don't have the mark of the beast. Well, I mean, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, I mean, you're looking forward. You're saying, okay, I see this prophecy. What could this be? Well, today, we don't even do that. We more deconstruct it where we say, wow, here's this thing where, you know, it's going to be an implant and you can't buy or sell anything without it. Let's look back at the prophecy. Yep. It looks pretty similar. Yeah. <laughs> you should probably watch out for that. You know, so we're in a time now where it's, we're, we're seeing reality and we are able to look back and see that it had been prophesied. You know, instead of having to look forward and sort of speculate on when and how the prophecy will be and I th- fulfilled. And that's a good point too, because I think a lot of people especially those who are very skeptical of prophetic writings or prophecy or, or of any kind, they tend to think, I think almost too linearly or, or, you know, dare I say too logically about the whole thing about prophecy, because they'll often say like, well, you know, what if it's a self-fulfilling pro- prophecy or, um, they always look at it as like, okay, an event, a single event is predicted. And until that single event occurs, the prophecy isn't fulfilled, you know, and it's sort of like this very uh, static equation almost that has to make sense for them to, to, you know, even consider the the idea or possibility of uh, prophecies existing and re- being real, um, which obviously certainly Basil and I believe uh, is based on the, you know, the Holy Bible, the scriptures. And so the, the, there's a concept that, you know, it's, an event predicted, an event fulfilled. Well, I think with biblical prophecy especially, which is kind of what I'm starting to see, is that it's more of like a living thing. It sort of grows, you know, and it's it's not like an event. And obviously the mark of the beast is written in a form of like an event, like, you know, there will be a time sort of thing, you know. But if you really sort of think about it, it's like in order for that to be fulfilled, several countless number of events have to occur very strategically or systematically to lead up to a point where people are accepting some sort of mark that, uh, that they need to, to buy, sell, trade and all this stuff. So essentially we are living in the times of prophecy being fulfilled. And I actually, 
it's, it's my thought that prophecy has never been like, you know, it, it's never totally been a future event. You know, if you look at the continuum of time, it's always sort of been one thing, you know, that's been predicted, but every development is leading towards that fulfillment. So I don't right. know, I, I guess just open up your mind to different ways to look at prophecy. Cause I think people might, or people tend to get stuck on a very linear fashion of it. Well, I, and I think it happens in degrees yeah. is I think a, a big thing. I mean, right now, yeah, the something that we could describe as the beast exists. It, it's there. It's it exists. It's not even it's not even a thing to talk about. It's just there. The technology is there. Yeah. But now, I think, uh, you know, and then some people would be like, "The prophecy is fulfilled. Here it is. It exists." Well, I don't think that's quite it. I think now we're moving into a time where. Um, we're being desensitized and we're being manipulated and we're being lied to until eventually in a few years, the whole beast thing or, you know, whatever it is, will be so sneaky and so subtle that, like the Bible says, even the believers are going to be deceived. And that's, you know, just another degree of the whole prophecy where now it's happening so subtly that even a lot of people aren't able to pick it out and avoid it, which yeah. is a huge reason why we started the show. Yeah. And, and the, the types of questions that we always try to tackle is like, okay, when is enough enough? You know, you talked about how right now you, you, you think you're the last generation that can just drop the computer and just walk away. Well, you know, it, I, I've, I've thought about this. And if the day comes where there's like a solar ray or something that hits the earth and all of our electronics go out or something, there's, there's a level of, um, I actually did a, a, you know, a sentient world simulation in my head of what that would be like. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. My brain is, um, the prototype of the data center for this project, but all right. So, okay. So if there was like a solar flare or something that hit the side of the earth, and we, all of our electronics fried, you know, we didn't have any electronics. I would go into withdraw for a little bit. Like, I don't know how long it would last, but there would be a moment of like anxiety of like, oh, I need to get on the internet. You know, right. I, I know I would have that. So it's sort of, it's, it's strange. And again, I think, I think this is part of partly why, and you know, I'm not trying to be dogmatic or anything here, but I think this is why God asked people or you know, commanded people basically to observe the Sabbath, like a day off, right. you know, the, the day of rest. It just totally makes sense in this sort of world we're living in. And I think that right. is something that we should be embracing a lot more nowadays because things are moving so quickly and so much oh, stuff is happening. Absolutely. A day yeah. of rest is, is essential for everyone. And yeah, and the thing I love about that commandment and all the commandments is it's not arbitrary. It's we need to be holding a Sabbath right now because without it, our bodies are literally dying. <laughs> the stress of today's work environment, the stress of everything today, you know, if you're not giving your body rest, stress is the biggest killer, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Basil, you know, <laughs> is prescribing a day off. Because, no, seriously you know, and even science, even outside of anything that I have to say, even outside of the Bible, you know, laboratory mice put under stress die a hundred times sooner than rats who are not under the same kind of stress. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so the thing I love about all the commandments is that it's not 
God saying do this because this is an arbitrary um it pleases me right it's not an arbitrary condition to receive my love it's you know do this i'm telling you to do it because it's good for you it, trust yeah. me please just do this <laughs> yeah you know what i mean and and th- that's just number one how i like to look at all of it and it, it, it all makes sense when you start to look at all of his commandments that way but i think this the sabbath is especially one that if anybody is listening and you're not taking a sabbath off even if it's not saturday or sunday you need to be taking a day off and devoting it to you know sitting and you know preferably spending time with god on that day yeah um, and just resting your physical body because God cares about your physical body just as much as everything else. Yeah, it's the temple. It's the temple. temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just quote a couple more things here and just sort of comment on them. But uh, this is, um, again, back from the document that the sentient world simulation uh, uh, people wrote up. And so basically this is the uh, the main objective. It's Develop a sentient world simulation consisting of theoretically correct, behaviorally accurate, and numerically realistic computational models of behavior behavior for individuals, groups, organizations, and institutions in order to, one, construct political, military, social, economic, information, and infrastructure elements of different communities, cities, states, countries, and international systems. And number two, develop models for interventions such as diplomatic information, military, economic, and law enforcement. And so basically it's saying this simulation is going to be able to assess and address and uh, measure and, uh, you know, again, looking at the future of how things would, or how, how people would react or how communities or cities or states would react. I mean, this, it's, it's sort of like that quintessential evil character of a movie you know that has sort of like a screen with like the entire world in front of it and like mm-hmm. he has the ability to like see anybody and you know <laughs> track anything and and do whatever it's sort of that kind of dark power you know that's behind right. it right well yeah i think one interesting thing about it is the um just the detail into which they go in i mean they you know it's military it's economic it's situational it's groups it's individuals it's organizations it's everything you know so it just shows the 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 amount of detail and the amount of um dynamic information that they're able to work with you know it's not simply seeing what happens when you know you drop uh, a disease on a, a population. It's you look at this population and you say, okay, now we have individuals doing this. We have the Occupy uh, organization doing this. We have the people as a whole doing this. And you know, so there's there's so many uh, there's such a wide range of data that it gives so many possibilities. I, I mean, it's just so complicated. Yeah, and to be able to navigate through that and, and just the fact that 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 traceable line from the very top to you is becoming more and more defined and clear. You know, it's, it's just sort of creepy. And uh, just one more quote. And it's this, you sort of addressed this earlier, Basil, but it's, it's the quote that he got this information from, but it it says um, the thing that they say they must develop uh, and why they have to do it is, um, for live historical and synthetic data from sensors, uh, instruments, and transaction data, 
available to stakeholders in a seamless manner. And yeah, you had mentioned it earlier, but why is it only available to the stakeholders and why in a seamless manner? Like, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, stakeholders, uh, that's it right there. They are just gave it away. It's, it's not about the government. It's not about a certain organization. It's whoever's holding the stakes in, in um, that certain situation, which almost leads to the um, assumption with that sort of vague vocabulary. Oh, doggy. Um, I mean, y- y- we make a big deal about this with legislation and stuff because it's very important to be specific. Well, in this sort of situation, that is not very specific uh, language. No. So stakeholders could be who? Who? It could be a corporate. Uh, it could be a corporation that pays a million dollars to run this simulation. Right. It could be, you know, a, a, a foreign government to run another simulation to, you know, it's, it's not like, yeah. It, and, and it doesn't have a foundational purpose, which is the most bizarre part about the whole thing. It's not like the government has, created this system in order to help the people it's like the stakeholders who each pay 14 billion dollars to get their own simulation right you know it's it's just so vague as to who it's available to yeah well totally and again it brings us back to everything we've talked about in the past and we're going to keep preaching it because I think it's a topic that's important for people to consider and think about and um, discuss and certainly, you know, think about the ramifications, think about what you would do. You know, I think that, again, I've mentioned this several times as well, but I think there will be a point where I think the spirit is going to move in people that know what's going on and they're just going to drop whatever is going on, you know, and it's just going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, we'll go live in the woods or whatever, but that's, you know. Right. That's what we're supposed well, to do. So. Yeah. Well, there you go. And all that being said, I once again, Dr. Basil suggests that you all <laughs> start taking a Sabbath, put down the computer, put down the cell phone for a little while, go outside, read your Bibles, rest your bodies. And with that being said, thanks again for tuning in to Canary Cry Radio this week. Make sure to tune in again. And as always, think outside the cage. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canary Cry Radio. The show notes for this episode and many others are available at canarycryradio.com. Make sure to connect and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash canarycryradio. Follow us on Twitter at canarycryradio. If you would like to share the show in video format, you can find us on YouTube by searching Canary Cry Radio. Review us on iTunes with five stars and give us a thumbs up on StumbleUpon.com. We would like to thank those of you who have given us your support, prayers, and donations. If you would like to join us and support Canary Cry Radio financially, you could do so by visiting CanaryCryRadio.com and clicking the support tab. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, remember to think outside the cage. <laughs>